relationships. Our lives revolve around them. Family, friends, work or romance. They are complicated and messy. And don't always work out like we want. God made us for each other. Maybe he can show us a better way to be together. This is not your average relationship talk. All right, well, kia ora. Uh, my name's Eric, uh, like what Monica said, and it's my privilege to be here this evening. Listen, about 10 days ago, uh, our daughter Amy uh, and our granddaughter Isla were visiting us uh, up from Dunedin, and uh, we were driving in the car, and uh, my granddaughter Isla, just out of the blue, suddenly just belted out that really familiar hit song from Frozen, the chorus which goes like, there you go, a few people of you know that. And um, you know, if you're a parent or a grandparent, um, probably like nearly all parents or grandparents, there was a time probably everywhere around the world, right? Where it was in the morning, uh, in the car, at the dinner table, at bath time, even at bedtime. Uh, kids went crazy over that song, didn't they? Um, and why is that? That's what I wonder, what was going on with that song? Because it just really, man, connected with kids and actually connected with people. And you know, last week, Monica uh, talked with us about the, the generations. And she had us thinking about, you know, older people, younger people, and about how we interact, you know, with each other and the challenges of that. And at the end, she challenged us, you know, to find mentors or to be a mentor uh, to someone. And I got thinking about that because what if in the past, you know, you've been hurt by an older person? Then why would you want to reach out to um, an, an older person? Or what if in, in, in your life you've been hurt by someone like that? Or currently you're being hurt by an older person. Why would you reach out to an older person now? So a few weeks ago, you know, when Colin uh, Gritzmacher asked me to speak on forgiveness... Um, tonight, it got me thinking about family. Now, that might seem a bit strange to you, but I decided to do a, a Bible search in some software, and I put in the word forgive. And where do you think the first appearance of the word forgive appears in the Bible? I was really surprised. Uh, it appears in the book of Genesis. It's chapter 50, and it's right at the end of, of uh, well, near the end of chapter 50. It's in verse 17. And they're the words of an old man um, named Jacob, and he's talking to, uh, to his, uh, he's sending a message to his youngest son. And this is what he says. He says, um, his message being sent by one of his own kids. He says, this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph did what? Joseph wept. Joseph wept. And so you may not realize it, but the last 15 chapters of the first book of the Bible are about a boy who was ridiculed and he was rejected and he was left for dead uh, by his brothers. And the story is about how this intense pain that operated in this family how it, it finally gets resolved 
right at the end. And so right at the start of the Bible, we have this long, drawn-out story of a family fighting, of hatred, and how God somehow, some way, brings good out of the terrible lies and pain that was in this family. And that's not an accident, folks, that in the Bible it has 66 books, that the first book of the Bible finishes with that type of a story. It's meant to be a statement to all of us about what's coming in all the rest of the Bible. And it's significant because for most of us, for our first experiences where we experience hurt, it happens in family life. And not necessarily at school, although it happens at school as well, doesn't it? Yep, it does. And it it got me thinking that God's plan for us was we would first learn about forgiveness in our families. And I don't know about you, but that didn't really happen in my family. Um, We uh, didn't do very well with this forgiveness thing. Um, We just tended to kind of sweep things under the carpet rather than try and deal with the hurt and stuff that went on. Uh, in our family life. But it's hugely important because it's one of the most basic things that makes our relationships with people work. And if we can't learn forgiveness, then we're in real trouble, in fact. And I'll tell you, guys, in family life, getting back to it, there's just constant opportunities for us, aren't there, to be hurt or offended or misunderstood, neglected, abused, uh, even attacked. And therefore, in families, we either learn how to move past our hurts and and to move towards effective forgiveness, or what's the alternative? Or we learn how to be sullen, withdrawn, angry, resentful, sarcastic, passive-aggressive, bitter, outright aggressive, or maybe even violent. And we all sitting here know that this is true. Why is that? Because last week on the 6 o'clock news, when I was watching it, a little news item pops up, and it says, latest statistics out. Number of cases reported to the New Zealand police of domestic violence, just under 119,000 cases last year. And at least 50% were not reported to the police. It's actually probably a higher percentage. So the little tagline said, uh, record like New Zealand record, 119,000 cases reported of domestic violence. Well, folks, that's a record that we don't want. We don't want that record. And they're horrible statistics. And they tell us that we live in a nation of people with serious hurts and anger and unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness that just constantly erupts into relationships and into ever-increasing broken relationships. And I can tell you that if we don't get a handle on this forgiveness thing and take it seriously, you know what happens? We're either part of the problem, but we're not part of the solution. And so that's really what tonight is about. Are you going to take this thing seriously so that you can actually become part of the solution in your own life and in your own family line, and also just in the fabric of our society, because it's something that just desperately needs to happen. It's one of the most urgent things that needs to happen. 
And of course, forgiveness is at the heart of the Christian message. It's just like we were just reminded a moment ago. That's the whole reason that God became one of us in the person of Jesus. He became a human being so that he could take our place on the cross and die for my sins and your sins so that he could rise again from the dead and be alive right this moment so that we can experience the forgiveness of sins, that, that overwhelming weight of guilt that's upon us. We can, it can be taken away, removed. We can be made right with God. You can be made right with God right this moment. If you're someone that doesn't know God, you can just simply reach out to God and say, God, I've come in here with this huge weight of guilt upon me, but I don't want it anymore. I can just give it to you. And you can call upon the name of Jesus and you can be made right with God. And folks, is that good news? Well, that's good news for a few people here. There's good news for this person here. It is good news, you guys. It is awesome good news. And we know that that's what God offers to us. But the question is, how does this forgiveness thing work for us on our horizontal relationships? That's really what tonight's about in this um, not your average relationship talk. Uh, and so what I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to take a really brief look at it as what's a really big subject. And I'm going to try and give you some practical tools around this. Um, and we're also going to give you an opportunity to interact and engage with the message. How does that sound? Sound all right? Good, good. All right. Well, um, what, what does the dictionary have to say about this? What is forgiveness? Let's look at an Oxford English definition of forgiveness. There you go. The action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. That's real profound. Um, the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. She is quick to ask forgiveness when she has overstepped the line. Okay. Well, I'd like to give you a Christian definition of forgiveness. So if you got your pen or your iPad ready, you can write it down, or you can use your photographic memory and remember it from up there. But here we go. Christian forgiveness is a heartfelt response to the revelation of Jesus' death on the cross so that we can truly let go of those who have hurt or offended us. It includes letting go of our own guilt and shame so we can experience true freedom. How's that? Let's say it again. Christian forgiveness is a heartfelt response to the revelation of Jesus' death on the cross so that we can truly let go of people who have hurt or offended us. It includes letting go of my own guilt and shame so that I or you can experience true freedom. In the original Greek language of the New Testament, the word that's usually used for forgiveness, you could literally translate it to let go or letting go. All right? And um, we're going we're gonna to dive into that a little bit more. But um, the idea around this is this idea that we love because he first loved us, like it says in 1 John 4.19. We love because he, God, first loved us. And we forgive others just in the same way because God has first forgiven us. So we can forgive others because God has first forgiven us. And you cannot give what you don't have. Is that right? Yeah, you can't give what you don't have. And if you've not experienced or received God's forgiveness in your life, or if it's not actively working in your life, it's very difficult to give it away to the people that are around you. And we're going to come back to that idea in a moment. Well, listen, I've been married uh, for 31 years uh, to an amazing lady, Karen, and I have two daughters, Amy and Laura, granddaughter Isla, like I mentioned a moment ago, another grandchild on the way. 
And I can tell you in, our, in, our, in my married life and in our family life, this whole thing of God's forgiveness has just made all the difference. It's made all the difference in my own marriage. Because I've, we, my wife and I, we, we do pre-marriage work with couples and we tell couples, you know, we had a lot of turbulence. We had a lot of pain and a lot of conflict in our early married life. And it led us to seek out counselors and to get input. But a lot of that revolved around our own issues, our own pain from our childhood and our need to process stuff. And, and so we had to learn forgiveness. It had to become real in our marriage, had to become real in our family life. And I can tell you guys, it's what changed our family. It changed it. When you, forgiveness is real. It's real. And, um, you know, both of my girls today, they're really gorgeous girls. They both love Jesus. They have great husbands. They have, they have Christian marriages. And that's partially because of this commitment to forgiveness as a family and just practically making it real and trying to be open and honest with each other and make this forgiveness thing a real part of our family life. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, well, listen. At its heart, forgiveness is giving up resentment and leaving the past behind. Resentment is about resending something, isn't it? Right? You've been hurt, so you resend it. And if that's really what's going on. And that's where emotional hurt, you guys, is so different to physical hurt. You know, when I um, am, am hammering something and I hit my thumb with a hammer and it hurts like crazy, ah, what do I want to do? I want to go get my thumb under some cold water or some ice on it, and I want that pain to go away as fast as possible, don't I? I might even take a Panadol as a way to get that pain reduced. But emotional hurt's kind of strange because it tends to be not like that. We get hurt by someone, and we, we kind of we want to hold on to it. Ooh. I want to hold on to that hurt. You know, it's my precious, right? Yeah. And I, I nurture that thing. Now, am I telling a lie? No, I'm not. And that, that's what's really weird and twisted about this thing called e emotional hurt that happens for us. And it's, it's crazy because you think that, well, gosh, I, I want to get deal with this hurt. And, you know, we can choose to get stuck in the past uh, because of this, the way we hurt on, we hold on to our hurts. We can get stuck in the past. We can constantly want to settle a score and, and be trapped in the past. And that's what's weird about emotional hurt is you can have a hurt and months or years can go by, but you are still trapped in that hurt, that thing that happened in the past. In fact, it's as if it's right now in the present. Have you experienced that? Yeah, I know I have experienced that. But you don't have to stay stuck in the past. You can stay in charge of your own attitudes and your responses. And you can either become bitter or better. And that's determined by you and the attitudes that you take toward the offenses of life. You got that? You can become bitter or better. And like I said a moment ago, if you don't get this nailed down soon, it has the potential to just mess up your life to really just totally ruin the, the direction of your life unless you take this seriously and get a handle on it right this moment. All right, well, I'm going to tell you a few things of what forgiveness is not. All right, a few things what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a single event. It's often more of a process. In fact, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Anybody ever heard that? Put your hand up if you ever heard that. Okay, 
Well, please dispel that right now. Just like that, it's gone. Forgiveness is not forgive and forget. It's not biting your tongue and just saying nothing. Um, there's a movie out now uh, from the book called The Shack. And some of us here have read the book. Maybe we, we've seen the movie. Well, in the, in the book and in the movie, there's a scene um, where God is speaking to Mac, who's the central character of the story. And Mac is someone who has been harboring bitterness or even hatred towards somebody. And that's at the central thing of what's going on in the shack. And God says this to Mac. He says, forgiveness is not about forgetting, Mac. It's about letting go of another person's throat. It's about letting go of another person's throat. So it's not about forgetting. It's actually about taking actions to change the unforgiveness. All right, forgiveness is not about denial. Forgiveness does not equate to the denial of offenses. Um, denial implies that an injury did not occur or that it was not significant. And that's just incorrect because forgiveness, on the contrary, it acknowledges the reality, the significance, and the depth of people's injuries. And in my work, my pastoral work, um, I'll have people come to me and they often just want to get stuff off their chest that has to do with that, with the reality, the significance, and the depth of, of their hurt. Um, and therefore, it's not about denial. It's about acknowledging and owning up to actually what's happened. Forgiveness is not a betrayal of your sense of justice. It's not a betrayal of your sense of, of justice by just sweeping it under the carpet. And in fact, in some instances, before forgiveness is freely and graciously given, for the sake of the perpetrator, the hurt or the injustice should be strongly protested and a request for restitution made. You got that? This may require a third party to help the process, but it represents a healthy process rather than trying to sweep things uh, under the carpet. And in fact, in our family life that I alluded to a moment ago with my wife and our two daughters, we, we had such a level of conflict and tension that arose in our family life. You know what we did? We had a counselor friend of ours that we asked to be a mediator. Now, that took courage on our part. It also was, was, had to be an act of humility on my part and my wife, Karen, because we were asking for help. But we, we needed it. So we had this third party come, and, and the four of us just kind of had to hash it out. Uh, and this person actually really helped us to do that and helped us to identify what were the issues going on and how could we move towards understanding and towards forgiveness. And you know what happened for us, you guys? That was a turning point in our family life. It was a turning point. We can look back to that and we, we see that, that God did a work in our, in our, our family of four that, that changed us and changed our whole family fabric and dynamic. That's why I believe in what I'm telling you, all right? Um, in fact, in South Africa, when they had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, that's really what this was about in the second half of the 1990s. It's difficult and sometimes complex work, but it's worth doing. And it's done knowing that true and final justice is in God's hands, and only God is a perfect judge. And though we can try our best for justice, he has the full picture and he has the final word. All right, so forgiveness 
isn't giving trust or entrusting yourself to those who've not yet earned it back. You got that? Forgiveness is not giving trust or entrusting yourself to those who've not yet earned it back. In other words, forgiveness is not the same as trusting. It's not the same as trusting. You can forgive a person, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that you have to trust that person. Forgiveness might be offered at a particular moment in time, but trust is something that has to be regained and rebuilt over time. All right, I have a, a pastor friend of mine where years ago he um, experienced a really deep hurt uh, at the hands of another person. In fact, my pastor friend lost his, his pastoral reputation as a result of this incident that happened. And my friend was able to move towards forgiveness towards the perpetrator, but it took years for him to come to a place where he was willing to trust that perpetrator um, because he wanted to see that, that person's behavior change. All right, here's something else forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not purely a choice, a decision, or an act of the will. You got that? Forgiveness is not purely a choice, a decision, or an act of the will. It's not something that you have to do or that you should. You got that? It has to do with the role of the will, because the role of the will, you guys, is to enable the process to get underway. The role of the will is to, is to be made willing to be made willing, right? Have you ever had someone that you just know that you've got to go to that person and put something right? Or am I the only one? Okay, all right. So we, most of us have. You just know that you need to go to that person and put something right. Well, the role of the will is to, is to kind of start that process. So it's kind of to make you willing to be willing to go and put that thing right. And so that that is the part of the will, but that's not all that forgiveness is. Um, It's it's important that we listen to those promptings. All right, you with me on that? Yeah. All right, well, what if you are the victim of cruel mistreatment by someone who refuses to apologize or even admit to what he or she has done? What about that? Well, in Psalm 37, verse 8, if you're you're a, a Christian, the Bible says, let go of anger and abandon rage. Let go of anger and abandon rage. So while not excusing the mistreatment, you can refuse to become consumed by anger. Is that true? Yeah. You know, I was talking with a man in our church here, I think just yesterday, the other day, about how that was happening for him. He, he, had, he had actually, at one point in his life, hatred towards his own dad. And for him, he, he realized that he... He did not want to any longer just be consumed by anger or even hatred. And God did a work in his life and helped him to actually forgive uh, his dad. It's a, and it's a great story. And he's sitting here in this room right now, and I won't tell you his name. But I was really touched by that story. And it has to do with the fact that you are in charge of your choices and your responses. You're in charge of your choices and your responses. And you can leave room for God's wrath, like it says in Romans chapter 12. And you can trust that God will bring that person to account. You can pray for the offender. And you can do what you can to keep your heart right, while at the same time you pray for the offender. And if, obviously, if you're in, a, in an abusive situation, well, you, you get out of that situation. Don't stay in, in an abusive situation 
if you can possibly get, get away from it. Get help. You know, ask for help. Come to someone like myself or another trusted advisor. Uh, but don't stay in an abusive situation. All right, I'm going to come back to this idea that forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process, not just this one-time event. Because a lot of the time, that's true for us. How many people have ever, you've gotten a scratch on your arm or on your leg, and some blood has come out? Put your hand up in the air. Okay, what have you done with that? What have you all done? You put a plaster on it, right? And forgiveness is like this. Uh, we can have a hurt, and some hurts are kind of relatively easy to forgive and let go of. They're just like a little scratch that you put a plaster on, and it heals. Sometimes we get really deep cuts. We get deep cuts, but they happen accidentally, and we have stitches, uh, or we have a surgery, and we have deep stitches in a wound, and we have to keep that wound clean. We have to go back to the doctor for appointments. Uh, the wound can get infected, and so we got to be really careful with that wound and make sure that, that it heals steadily over time. And forgiveness is like that. If we have a deep emotional hurt that happens to us, we sometimes have to keep choosing to forgive that person um, over and over and over. And it might be over weeks, might be over months. It might even be over years where that you, you choose to forgive that person. Because as you, as you are a Christ follower and you experience God's forgiveness in prayer, you say, God, that person really hurt me, but I choose to forgive them. And how do you know that when you finally have forgiven that person, you know that you've actually really forgiven that person when you can remember the, th the thing that happened, but the pain doesn't come with the memory anymore. The feelings don't come with that memory. And for some of us here, that's happened for us. And if it hasn't, then I can encourage you, it, it needs to happen because it's a beautiful work of the Holy Spirit where that you know at that moment that you've really let go of that person and you're not trapped in that hurt and pain anymore. And you can remember the memory, but you're not, don't feel the pain of that. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's a work of the Holy Spirit as he, as he helps us as we cooperate with him. You can pray a prayer and you can repeat a prayer like this. It's up on the screen. God, please give me the grace to forgive. God, please forgive me for holding a grudge towards the person's name. I choose to forgive. I forgive you, person. I forgive you for your absence. I forgive you for your inability to love, to give, and to reason. I name your thing, and then you name the specific offense or offenses as sin. I forgive your inability to treat me as a person. I forgive you for your self-absorption. I accept you as you are. I will no longer try to change you, but I, I will no longer turn a blind eye to your sin. I will bless you, and if you will allow me, I will expect nothing in return. If you accuse me and project your sin and pain onto me, I will turn them back to you and leave you to deal with it. I know that this is love, that this is best. I do not judge you, but I do judge your sin that has wounded me. I what? I forgive you. I forgive you. So I can get that prayer to you if you want. Uh, just come see me afterwards. All right, well, listen, we've only scratched the surface, you guys, of a really huge topic, but I want to give you some practical pathways towards forgiveness. And there's a lot of different things we could say here, so I just picked a few little what I call pathways to forgiveness, okay? Number one, pathway. Cultivate your friendship with Jesus, all right? That might seem obvious, 
but you cultivate your friendship with Jesus. I have found in my walk with God that as I cultivate my friendship with Jesus, um, the ability to forgive other people, it just gets easier and easier. Has anybody else here experienced that? You can put your hands up in there. There's a few people. Yeah. So it, it works because Jesus is pure and he's sinless and he has this incredible overpowering love for people. And as you get to know him, some of that love spills into your life and uh, it gets easier to forgive. All right, number two, understand that there are no victims in the family of Christ. No victims in the family of Christ. Whatever happened to you, no matter how bad it is, it's the raw material for God to bless you and turn that into something good and beautiful in your life. You got that? It's awesome. In other words, the suffering of your childhood, it can become the source of compassion for other people. And I've experienced that, and I've met many people who've experienced that. It's one of the beautiful things about forgiveness and how it can work in our lives. God's awesome in how he does that, you guys, how he makes Romans 8, verse 28 real, that he causes things to work together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. If we'll let God do that work, he does it in our lives. All right? In fact, I've got a friend named Mick Duncan, and he is my friend, and he says this, your misery can become your ministry. Your misery can become your ministry. And it can if you let Jesus work in your life and change you from the inside out. All right, here's, a, here's another one. Forgive yourself. In other words, I need forgiveness, and I need to forgive myself. You know, just the other day, here in this building, I was talking to a man, and he's done a lot of bad things. In fact, he sat in a chair, and he listed off this long list. It's longer than both of my arms of bad things, uh, including acts of violence um, that he's done. And at the end of that, he hung his head down, and he said, I don't see how I can forgive myself. And it just kind of hung in the air. And so we're in the process of helping him, this guy, to come into a reality of forgiving himself as he comes to know Jesus and experiences God's forgiveness. And I find that God, the Holy Spirit, points me to Jesus, points me to his death on the cross, and the Holy Spirit says, Eric, get your eyes off yourself, get them onto Jesus, and acknowledge what he's done for you, and, and forgive yourself. And I find that for me over the years, I tend to be hard on myself. I don't know about you, but I tend to be really hard on myself. And I find it difficult to forgive myself. And when I listen to the Holy Spirit, he points me to Jesus and to the cross and to God's love for me. And I find that he changes me and helps me to forgive myself. Well, I want to ask you some key questions, you guys. Here are some key questions. I think they're going to be up on the screen. Here we go. What will it cost you to let go of the grudge completely and move on? Will it be a heavier burden to bear than your current load of resentment and anger? How's that for a question? What will it cost you to let go of the grudge completely and move on? Will it be a heavier burden to bear than your current load of resentment and anger? Here's another question. Have you really forgiven them and if you won't even allow them to earn back your trust? So have you really forgiven a person if you won't allow them to earn back your trust? Just the other day, well, in fact, for the last few weeks, I've been involved in a, in a, in a, in a marital breakup where the guy has left. He left. He moved out. Uh, there was such problems, issues going on that the guy said, I'm out of here. Boom, he moved out. And 
I've been praying, other people have been praying, and uh, the wife's been extremely distraught uh, because the language the guy used was that was it. He wasn't coming back. And uh, she was this very broken person. And uh, I don't know, a number of weeks went by. Uh, like I texted the guy, I left some cell phone messages for him. He didn't get back to me, um, just nothing. And then, I don't know, about eight days ago now, um, he just out of the blue got a hold of me and said, Eric, can I come see you? So he came to see me and he sat down in my office and he said, um, Eric, um, I, I realize I've really blown it, that I've been arrogant and selfish and self-centered and um, I, I want to put things right. And I was like, okay, that, that's, that's good news. Um, wasn't quite like that. And, um, and so then what happened was uh, the guy and, and his wife ended up at our house. My wife and I were, were um, kind of counseling them. And the issue came around this issue about trust. And, and so for her, it's about can she really, will she forgive the guy if she won't even allow him to earn back her trust? You follow that? Yeah. So that's kind of where we're up to um, with this uh, marital situation. So it's a case of watch this space. Um, and we're praying for them. I, I have high hopes for them that God's going to do something beautiful in their lives because uh, they're on the right track right now. All right, well, listen, you guys, our greatest need is to be connected in loving relationships, isn't it? But often we experience disconnects with people that we're counting on or that we need to count on. Rejection, anger, judgment, being overlooked. These are examples of relational ruptures that hurt our heart and they misshape our soul. And especially it happens to us in childhood and in our teen years, our youth years. And increasingly we grow up as we grow up, we contribute to the damage, sadly. And like I said before, if we take this forgiveness thing seriously, we can be part of the solution. And if we don't, we're actually part of the problem that's happening in our society. Well, to help us heal and to pass on blessing to others, Jesus gave us a really beautiful prayer. And recently on Sunday nights, we were looking at it, and the prayer is called? That's right, the Lord's Prayer. And... Um, but tonight, I want to I finish, before we move into the next part, by I want to reconnect with that series. And I found, um, well, I subscribe to a thing online called Soul Shepherd, and it's by people who, in the USA primarily, who care about our soul, the in, inner person of us. And uh, I found this written by a guy called Bill Gaultier. Um, is it up on the screen? Can you guys see it? And he's, he's rewritten the Lord's Prayer. And so... We're going to read it together, and when we get to the forgive us our sins, we're just going to kind of, just kind of slow down there a little bit, all right? So let's just kind of read it kind of slowly. We're not going to rush through it. Let's all say it together. Our Father in the heavens, always near us and ready to help, may your name be precious to us and bring us delight always. May your kingdom of the heavens come rule over us, so your good pleasing, and perfect will is accomplished in us and through us. Provide for us the food and care we need today. Forgive our sins as we forgive us those who sin against us. We're going to come back to that. Please hold us by the hand so we don't fall down in trials or temptations. And kept safe in your care from all evil. 
All we want is to live in your kingdom by your power and for your glory. Amen. Forgive our sins as we forgive us those who sin against us. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Well, I'm going to invite you now. I'm going to invite the musicians out. And it's been a very short little introduction into forgiveness. But what we've done is we've set up some stations in that corner and over here and over there and over there. And we're going to invite you to interact with some of the truths that I've just touched on. Truths around forgiveness, around God's love. And they're, really, they're practical stations where they, it invites you to interact uh, in different ways. And what I'd like to do is go and engage at the station. Read the instructions and don't hurry, but just feel free to linger. And um, be aware that around 50, about 20 minutes from now, the Alpha team's going to come and start setting up in here. But... Let God speak to you and touch you. Because often when, when, we, when we do stuff practically, um, it does something for us on the inside. And so just engage with the instructions that are there, all right? So you can stay here and engage with the music or maybe sit quietly in prayer. You can go to one station. You can go to all four stations. Um, when you're finished, just head to the cafe uh, for a cuppa. And if this is not your cup of tea then feel free to head straight to the cafe. But I would actually urge you not to do that. I would urge you to just interact with what you're going to see and experience in these stations. Finally, could you help us just maintain kind of a contemplative spirit in this place? Well, feel free to go anytime. Thanks, you guys.